Welcome to the Talking Freelance Podcast. If you're new to freelancing or looking to maximize your success on platforms like Upwork, you're in the right place. Each week, we invite industry experts and freelance superstars where we unpack their strategies and hear their stories on how they launched and grew their own freelance businesses. Here's your host, a successful entrepreneur, freelancer, and success strategist, Leah Myers. Welcome to the Talking Freelance Podcast. I am super excited that you are all here today to listen to this fun episode. I am bringing Michonne on. She is a past middle school teacher, now living a nomad life, traveling all over the place. And I love when I was talking to her before we started recording, um, she said something that just hit me hard. And it's like definitely where I see myself in the future is home is where your suitcase is. Like, I love that. So I will let you kind of take it away. We're going to talk through like a year in the life as a digital nomad and we'll just get started. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more about what the nomad life is and what your experiences have been and any tips and tricks that you want to share if there's any other people out there that are excited or have the desire to, you know, live that same lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. So the last year I have been, wow, it's kind of hard to, let's see, this time last year I was in Ecuador wrapping up a couple of years that I was based there over the pandemic. Normally I travel and stay in a place for three to six months, but got grounded for obvious reasons. Uh, So last year I left and went to Argentina I spent about three months traveling through Argentina, was absolutely blown away and blessed to achieve a lifetime dream of going to Antarctica while I was down there. And after that, I transitioned into Europe because I'd been in South America for the last four years. So I slowly came up from Argentina, visited some friends along the way in different spots in Europe before settling in Croatia, in split Croatia for the first um, three months of, well, I guess like spring transitioning into summer, uh, March to June, roughly. After that, I've come over to England, where I am currently. So uh, yeah, suitcases downstairs under the bed. So this is where home is for right now. Um, This is my second summer in England because just I've made so many amazing contacts while traveling. And one of them is my one of my closest friends. And uh, she had a baby earlier this summer. And it was just amazing to be able to be in a different location and be like, hey, I'm coming. I'll be there. <laughs> and to be able to base myself here. Awesome. I love that. So can you share how how do you just decide where you're going next? Or how long do you decide like, okay, I've been here long enough. I'm ready to move on. So a lot of times that's dictated by the country's rules. So a lot of places with the U.S. passport, you know, I'm extremely blessed to have a U.S. passport, which is one of the strongest in the world. I can go many places and stay for up to 90 days with no paperwork, no visa, nothing extra. When there is a situation where there are restrictions, for example, the Schengen zone in Europe, it's about 26 countries. There may be more, give or take at this time. Um, they're very strict. You can spend 90 days in and then you have to be out for 90 days. So I was in Croatia. I used up all of my time and I had to leave that entire zone, all of those countries like Germany, Spain, France, couldn't be in any of those for a 90 day period. Well, due to 
Brexit and some other things, England is no longer a part of that. I mean, I don't want to actually, I'm not positive. I believe that's the story. So I can be in England. So I'm in England for now. And then after um, those 90 days were up, I am eligible to go back into Europe. And I exercised that just about a week or two ago. I went to Germany for 10 days to visit a friend, to go to Oktoberfest and some sightseeing in Berlin. Uh, So yeah, there are certain places where I have to be very uh, careful because Europe is such an amazing place. I would hate to get banned from the area. So I watch out very carefully. Um, Along with that though, there are places that have very um, relaxed rules for the U.S. passport. England, for example, you can enter and stay for up to 180 days, so six months. Um, Albania is a country that you can stay. I'm going to Albania in about two weeks to check it out for the first time. You can stay in Albania as a U.S. citizen for up to 365 days, like no paperwork, no nothing. So it's all about, I have this list and I have, you know, things that I check off and I check to see if they've updated any rules and things like that. But I, yeah, I I try to stay on top of it. Awesome. I love that. I feel like that that's going to be the hardest for some people who don't, um, who don't make, um, that list, like that are just kind of free flying into whatever. There's no strategy. I want to go here and then don't know those rules. I would have never guessed those rules, like that you can only be a certain place at a certain time or for a certain length of time. Um, so that's definitely interesting to like something to pay attention to and stay on top of. Right. And well, one of the things that I am focusing on is kind of trying to make this more accessible to people trying to break into it. Because I live now for the last couple of years in the digital nomad world, these things just come second nature to me. It's like always on my mind. I have to get out of here before this countdown expires. I need to check if I can go there. Um, so I am working on putting together a digital nomad course, kind of like for beginners, for people who have already the freelance lifestyle. And now it's like, okay, can I actually do this? What are all the things I need to think about? So it's been a lot of fun to retrace my steps and think about how much of a novice I was, you know, at the beginning and how far I've come and how much I wish I had that knowledge, you know, offloaded to me. How, how long have you been traveling? Um, since 2018, that was when I got a one-way ticket from Las Vegas, Nevada to Medellin, Colombia. That was my first stop (laughs) and it was amazing. So how do you travel like with your suitcase, with everything? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause you said you have one suitcase. Like, how do you make sure that you have appropriate clothing, attire for all of the different places that you go, like weather conditions, like all of that stuff? That's interesting to me too. Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) It's a constant balancing act. Um, I will be honest, I'm from Ohio originally, and I just don't love the cold. (laughs) So I tend to stay out of the colder climates. England has just started to get cold here. And I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go. (laughs) So um, that helps because, you know, winter wear is so bulky. It's it's hard. Um, One of the things I do is I'll often, but I have a few staple pieces that are useful for multiple things like this, um, you know, the black shirt that I'm wearing right now was like carefully selected because it's super comfy and it's nice enough that I can wear out, but it's so comfy. It also doubles as just lounging around on a Saturday type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I will use uh, thrift stores a lot or charity shops as they're called here in the UK or secondhand stores because 
I don't want to spend a lot on something that I know can't travel with me. So about a month ago, I went to the shop here, got a big, you know, bulky, comfy sweater for $4. And in a couple of weeks when I leave England, I will take it back to the charity shop and give it back and someone else can use it. So it's a constant, you know, changing out of things. And it, it can be hard because I've had to let go of some, you know, some, some sentimental pieces, like things you're just like, oh, I love wearing that dress so much. But it's like, I've got no place for it, you know, if I'm heading off to, you know, yeah. different weather or what have you. So yeah, it's, it's a constant T- shoes. Of course, shoes take up the most space. So that's hard. Um, I got rid of my hiking boots last year after spending time in Argentina. And I was just like, I think I'm done with hiking for a while. So these got to go. <laughs> they take up too much space. I'm sure it's had to have been a transition since you started traveling of like your mindset of like the things that you hang on to. I feel like, do you, do you value things less? So yeah, that's an interesting point. And I have gone through a couple of different things in life that yes, have made me, I would say I've learned how to let go of them sentimentally. Um, I value things that are very useful in my travels. And I learned, have learned not to get attached to other things. You know, anything could be lost. I have had my luggage amazingly only knock on wood, but it was lost once just last year, the first time. And um, and I've taken hundreds of flights, um, did find it, you know, I had an air tag in my suitcase, which is another great idea. Like always use those. I knew where my suitcase was days before the airline. (laughs) Like it was, it was an absolute mess. Um, but yeah, I've just learned not to get attached to things so much, which I think has been a healthy um, approach to life. I have multiple times in my life gotten rid of everything and, and, and started over. And part of that lesson, I think, was when I started this journey um, or when I kind of realized I needed to change my life years ago. I was 30 years old. I was in a relationship. I had a house with my partner. And when we split up, I told him I was just like, I don't know what's next for me, but I just, just keep everything. Like I just, I didn't want all the stuff anymore. Right. Like it was a kind of a fresh Mm -hmm. starting over in a journey into minimalism. So I've learned how to let go. I've learned how to disassociate from something having huge, huge, huge amounts of meaning to me because I can't carry it with me. Now, someday when I settle down, I don't know, I could go the other way. My house might be just like filled (laughs) with stuff just because I've spent these last few years with so little, but you know, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. So are your photos, your mementos? Like wherever you For sure. I take a lot of photos. um, And when it comes to deciding what fits into my suitcase, you know, it can be hard because I love books. I love physical books, Mm -hmm. but you know, that a Kindle goes in. Um, But one of the things I got in the last year or two was a, a small little mini digital photo frame. And that way it's sitting on my desk right next to me right now, plugging in every morning. And it's all these pictures of my friends and family and times over the years so that it's not just, you know, stashed on my computer somewhere, but that I'm actually Mm. reliving and remembering and thinking of all the people that are important to me, you know, multiple times a day. 
I love that. Absolutely love that. Okay. So that's where you've been. Tell us where you're going now because I, otherwise I'm going to get into like this selfish mindset of like asking you all of my questions <laughs> because as you know, like this is where I'm excited to go in a few years after I'm an empty nester. Um, not, I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm not going to be, you know, hundred percent travel, but I might have to ease myself into it. So. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a great way to start. And I encourage people to start with, you know, take a little trip, especially if there's no like rush or anything. Like you could go abroad for a month and that's huge. Most people don't ever do that. And, you know, and when you've got your computer and you can do the work with it, it's just, it's such an amazing feeling. You're doing what you normally do, but everything is new. Going to the grocery store is new and exciting. Going to a coffee shop is new and exciting. Like everything just takes on this whole new adventure and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that. But yeah. Um, where I'm going next. So this is, yeah. (laughs) My life got really interesting, really fast. And this is the way that it sometimes moves, but I had thought, okay, I'm a little bit tired I'm kind of feeling like I need to settle down. And that's why I came back to England. It's a familiar place. I've been here. I have friends here. Um, And I thought, well, this has been nice being settled. Maybe for 2024, I'll go to Albania and maybe I'll just do a full year there. Maybe I'll base there. They don't require any paperwork. That was my rough plan. Then I woke up about a month ago and had a couple of messages from various people and realized that I had a wedding to go to in Ecuador So that's where I'm off to uh, in late November, Uh, met, you know, made amazing friendships there in the years that I was there and I have a wedding then. And then another friend messaged and said he's getting married next year in the Philippines and that's happening in April. And I thought, oh boy, (laughs) that shakes up my entire year. I've not been to anywhere really in Asia yet. I've not been to Australia, New Zealand. And so I just thought, whoa, if I go all the way over there, I might as well stay over there and see that side of the world. So my rough outline is to uh, come back here to Europe for kind of like Christmas, New Year's, spend it with some friends here. January, February is still open. I don't know exactly where I'll spend those, but March, I want to start heading over toward the other side of the world and just hit so many places in Southeast Asia. And I am a little nervous, to be honest. I think it's going to be a bit faster than I've ever traveled before. Still, you know, a month in each place, probably, (laughs) but that is, that's fast to me. Usually I'm three to six months. So Mm -hmm. I have been working really hard to get myself organized, my calendar organized, systems organized, trying to plan ahead for where I know that I'll break down. Cause I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that's like, Oh yeah, I can get that done on that day. Even though I know on that day, I'm going to be exhausted. I do this a lot with travel. I'm like, I'll just work at the airport. And I get to the airport and I'm exhausted and about to fall over. So yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting, but I'm excited about it. And the nervousness is kind of a nervous excitement to test my systems rather than a nervous excitement of, oh my God, this is going to be awful. <laughs> so right. we'll see. So do you use any like travel support, like any like travel agents or anyone else like that? Uh, no, I do most of the planning myself. 
Um, I am in the process lately of teaching an assistant that I have how to do some of the stuff for me. So one of the things I know that you talk a lot about Upwork and stuff, so I will Mm -hmm. use um, contract help on Upwork as well. So I am working on teaching her how to source stuff sort of like as me to do the first initial steps in something. So for example, teaching her what I look for in Airbnbs, teaching her what I look for in an area that I want to stay in so that she can at least do the preliminary, you know, this is my price range. This is what I'm looking for. These are the filters and narrow it down. So I'm coming in with like, Hey, I found you these like 10 potential places versus just going on there myself, disappearing down a rabbit hole and, you know, going through 782 listings. Um, Same with flights. It's just a matter of basically I've made this massive list of how I travel, things that are going to be useful for the future course that I'm creating as well, but also for her and just to be able to go through like, this is how I do this. This is what I look for here. This is what I look for in co-working spaces. So ideally a year from now, yes, I'm using a lot more of like a specific person that I've trained up in the way that I do things. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'll say too, that I'm considering doing more of in the next year is some of those group trip services that will do you know, like a curated list of we're going to go to all these stops and it's, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people because I have done a lot of solo travel in my life and I'm reaching a point where I want to share it with more people. And every time I've done some sort of a a good group thing, only been once or twice, but I end up meeting just incredible, incredible people. I was, I wonder if that's going to be a huge feeder into your course, because I feel like anyone who wants to go on that group thing is like interested, but yet they're maybe a little hesitant to do it on their own. So your course might be the answer that they've been looking for. And it's a huge networking opportunity for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I love that. I absolutely love that where you think you have it all planned out and then life happens and friends happen and they want you here, there and everywhere, knowing that you're, you have that flexible schedule. And things change and you have to pivot. I love that. Um, can you go ahead and just share a little bit about the freelancing services that you offer your clients? I know that we've talked a lot on this podcast about like actual travel, but I want people to understand like that you can take pretty much any type of freelance work and adapt it to a travel schedule. Yeah, for sure. And I am one of the people who really thrives in an ongoing relationship with clients. I know that freelancing comes in all shapes and sizes. Some people have a lot of clients at a time. I do really in-depth long-term work with my clients. My longest client, I've had him for six years. So it's it's a really like intense try to kind of relationship that I try to build. Um, I do operations management for small business owners. So people who have started a business from their home, you know, it's just them or husband and wife team, or, you know, like siblings, whatever, often just them. They've started a business, it's taken off and they don't know what to do now. (laughs) They may have a couple part-time people, a couple contract people helping, but they're really just feeling like they're drowning day in and day out in everything that needs to get done. And a lot of times they're not well, none of us are good at managing everything, right? So their, their, their usual area of expertise is the ideas, the vision, the growth, but they're not so good at managing 
all the day-to-day details. And that's what I do. I come in for them and manage the day-to-day details. Uh, hiring, firing, setting up systems, uh, setting goals and, and metrics and measurement for the company, um, figuring out what are we going to do for, you know, how are how is this new product getting made? How are we getting customers answered? How are we getting, like, I am just in a right-hand person to that founder. And I fell into this. I heard on one of your other episodes you were talking with um, someone else about the importance of dabbling, trying different things out. And that's exactly how I fell into this. Uh, I do think that my background as a middle school teacher helped because I was used to managing absolute chaos (laughs) in some ways. And I was able to translate that into a client just saying, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And my answer was always yes, 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 yes. And I would figure out how to get it done. Um, so I have found my sweet spot in working with founders who are either making their very first hire all the way up to, in some cases, growing their team to about 30, but that's my cutoff. Like that's where I no longer find it fun. I don't want to take them any further really. And then they need to sort of, we need to part ways and they need to get another, you know, um, an act, you know, COO chief operations officer or what have you, that will take them, you know, next level, next level, if that's where they're headed. Awesome. I love that. Um, Anything else that you want to share with this audience? I'm just excited because we've already been in talks of like having you come back and I can come up with a list of like all of the travel questions. You can talk more about your course when that's ready to go. And we're going to put a resource for you to continue the conversation or to continue listening about um, the travel and everything like that in the show notes. So definitely check out the show notes. If you have any questions that you want me to make sure that I ask next time we're together, um, send me a voice message in um, the podcast notes as well. And I'll be sure to get those on my question list when Michonne and I talk again in the next few months and anything else that you want to share. Yeah, I just would love for people to know that um, I have a new newsletter coming out soon. It's not quite ready yet, but um, it is going to encompass along, you know, my podcast is called Live, Work, Travel, and the newsletter will cover those areas as well. So kind of like things about life on the road, always going over, you know, travel tips and travel inspiration, and also the work aspect being freelancing, loads of the things that I've learned over the years as a freelancer. So um To find out when that is going to be released, they can definitely follow me on Instagram at uh, liveworktravelig. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining and we will see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Talking Freelance with freelance expert, Leah Myers. Each Monday, a new episode is released. You can find us on all major podcast networks and at talkingfreelance.com. It is the mission of this podcast to support you to achieve success. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are those of Leah Myers only and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Upwork. Leah Myers is not an employee of, nor does she receive any compensation from Upwork.